Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the Banat of Letha. If you look at a map of the states of Austria today, you'll see a weird squiggly-shaped state on the easternmost edge of the country called Bergenland. While today it exists firmly within the Republic of Austria, that wasn't always the case. The transition from a Hungarian territory to an Austrian one was quite a bumpy road and is the topic of our episode today. This story starts the same way a lot of my episodes start, with World War I. However, with this being the third-to-last episode of Season 1 of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast, you have my word that it is the last episode of the season to deal with World War I in any way. So, World War I happened, we all know that old story, and the Central Powers lost. One of those Central Powers was the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which by now had been split up into separate Austrian and Hungarian states, thanks to the political chaos that follows losing the most important war of all time. With the Entente Powers victorious, it was time for everyone to sit down and redraw the borders of Europe as they saw fit. Thus, two separate treaties were signed, the Treaty of Trianon, signed with the Hungarians, and the Treaty of Saint-Germain-en-Laye, signed with the Austrians. One of the main focal points of these treaties was legally defining the borders of the two new states. Austria and Hungary had very recently been a part of the same empire, and that meant there were plenty of gray areas as to where Austria ended and Hungary began which in turn would open up grounds for conflict and possibly another world war, and that was something the victorious allies were not too keen on. According to both treaties, the very westernmost parts of Hungary were to be transferred to Austria. This was because the people of that region largely spoke German, and so it was assumed that they would fit better in a German-speaking Austrian state, than in a Hungarian state which spoke a language not even remotely related to the German language. This sounded pretty good to the Austrians, who had just lost an empire and really needed a win somewhere, but the Hungarians weren't in love with losing even more territory than they already had. Unfortunately, the Hungarians had to accept the terms of the treaty. The Kingdom of Hungary was in a delicate spot. For one, it was a kingdom without a king, instead ruled over by a regent named Miklos Horthy thanks to a ban on members of the royal house of Habsburg-Lorraine from entering the kingdom. On top of that, republicanism and communism were spreading like wildfire in the country, which was at least mildly destabilizing. And lastly, they were simply vulnerable. The Entente had all the power, so if Horthy didn't agree, they could simply get rid of him and prop up someone more agreeable. After the treaties were signed, the Hungarian government reached out to the Austrians in the hope that they would agree to local referendums in the transferred territory in order to let the people decide which country they wanted to be a part of. But the Austrians refused these proposals left and right. Therefore, some of the more excitable Hungarians took things into their own hands. Paul Pronay was one of the most infamous Hungarian military commanders of the day. When communists had taken over the Hungarian government two years earlier in 1919, it was Pronay who had spearheaded the subsequent white terror that hunted down and executed known and suspected communists throughout the Hungarian capital. 
So if there were ever an excitable Hungarian military commander, Pronay was it. Alongside his equally infamous partner Ivan Hejas, Pronay set out forming a paramilitary organization in Western Hungary that would come to be known as the Tattered Guard. Sporting the national colors of Hungary, this band of civilian and ex-military Hungarians began recruiting from all across the kingdom while Horthy's government turned a blind eye. While keeping Bergenland was something Horthy wanted, there was no way he could acknowledge the Tattered Guard and keep his power. Thanks to the two treaties I had mentioned earlier, by late 1921 there were virtually no official Hungarian military deployments left in the ceded territory, which meant the Tattered Guard had free reign of the region against the Austrians. August 19th of 1921 was the day that the territories were meant to be switched, but wouldn't you know it, the Tattered Guard refused. Nine days later, the true uprising began. Pronay and Hejas began engaging Austrian forces in a guerrilla war, fighting in towns and villages across the western Hungarian-slash-eastern Austrian countryside. This was no small insurgency, either. Like I had mentioned before, the Tattered Guard had recruited Hungarian nationalists and military men from across the whole country. Even politicians like former Hungarian Prime Minister István Friedrich had taken up arms. By the time the rebellion had begun on August 28th, there were rebels in practically every polity across modern Bergenland. It quickly became evident that the Tattered Guard was out of control. Since they had never been officially acknowledged by Horthy's government, Horthy had absolutely no sway over them, but he needed some if they were to accomplish Hungary's aims. Thus, Horthy sent Gula Gombos westward in order to act as the guard's regional commander, but he wasn't particularly well-received. Hejas and Friedrich outright ignored his authority, and while Pronay was a bit more flexible, he had his own plans as well. In Pronay's eyes, since the Hungarian government had officially bent the knee and handed over this territory to the Austrians, it was up to him to do what needed doing with the territory he gained control over. His plan was to establish a banat, which is a form of monarchy, in the region and separate themselves from the main Hungarian government for the time being. This was a problem for Horthy, since the Austrians were finally warming up to the idea of local referendums, and any separatist states would really put a speed bump in the way. So Gombos managed to talk Pronay down for the time being. However, since the transfer of territory was not going well, the Entente powers stepped back in on October 3rd and took legal control of Bergenland back from the Austrians. With this escalation, Pronay declared the Banat of Letha the very next day, October 4th, 1921. Pronay's goal was to eventually rejoin Hungary, but in the meantime he needed to secure his own borders against his western enemies. Unfortunately, Pronay had enemies at home, too. Pronay and Hejas had plans on electing Albrecht Franz, the Duke of Teschen, to become their monarch, which probably would have gone over fine if it weren't for the significant Karlist minority that existed in Western Hungary at that time. Karl IV had been the last reigning king of Hungary, and though he had been banned from entering the country by the Entente, he had a massive following among Hungarians, especially in the contested borderlands. One of these followers was Istvan Friedrich, the former prime minister turned rebel. 
So he opened up a rival faction of the Tattered Guard in opposition to Pronay and Hejas. On top of this, Horthy's government had no choice but to press against a Banat in order to avoid retaliations from the Entente, and so the official Hungarian government began dealing with the Austrians without Pronay's polity present. In these negotiations, it was determined that nearly a dozen towns in the contested territory would finally receive a citizen's referendum in order to determine which country they would be a part of. This was a huge win for Hungary, and was evidently good enough for a lot of Pronay's rebels. The rebellion slowly started to trickle away, and by November 10th, all of the guerrillas had left the area, rendering the Banat of Letha functionally dead. So, why was this country forgotten? For me, I think it has a lot to do with the disparity between the build-up and the final outcome. Pronay was commanding a rebellion powerful enough that it had effectively denied the Austrians massive chunks of territory and necessitated international intervention, but at the end of the day, all it took was some relatively minor concessions on the part of the Austrians to totally dismantle Pronay's successes. With an unsatisfying ending like that, it's little wonder that this isn't the most popular historical tale of all time. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast. Feel free to drop a review if you enjoyed, and I hope to see you again next week.